is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie, and it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Glad you're here with us today. We got a show packed full of artists you're really going to enjoy hearing from today. That's right, Bo. And we want to give a big shout out to you guys for joining us here every weekend. We love putting the show together for you. And there's many things that you could be doing with your time. And we're glad that you choose to spend an hour with us. Even if you're multitasking, if you're listening, we love you. Mm-hmm. Okay, sisters, let's get to the guests. All right. The Mulberry Lane shows on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Up first, entertainment journalist Nancy O'Dell That's right, Bo And Nancy stops by your weekend To talk all about her brand new series Called Nancy O'Dell Remembers Now this brand new show airs Monday nights At 8pm Central on The Reels Network and Nancy shares with you some of the behind the scenes in the making of this new series, plus a few of her favorite celebrities she's interviewed. You're going to love how she gets real about being real with the celebrities. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bo, who's next? Singer-songwriter Morgan James. Okay, if you are a singer, a vocalist, you are going to dig this interview. Now, Morgan gets very honest about singing in the studio, how she made the switch from the classical voice to the big, soulful voice she has today. Technique, she talks microphones and finding that sweet spot in her voice. And check out her new album, Reckless Abandon. And you can catch Morgan live this Sunday, April 23rd at the Slowdown in Omaha. What's up next, Allie? And then it's up and coming Nashville singer songwriter Josh Dore. Hey, what you say? Let your hair down. Gonna pick you up, get you out of this town singing. Now, from football injury to songwriting career to major label debut to indie artists recently recognized by Rolling Stone, Josh Dore has some stories to tell. Mm-hmm, Allie, and those stories include what inspired his new single, Rocket, and how a James Taylor song convinced him to stay in Nashville and pursue music. Now, when you hear how this story plays out, you'll realize it was destiny. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rachel, who's the last person stopping by today? You're going to hear all about romantic vacations from National Geographic travel expert Annie Fitzsimmons. Got some exotic destinations for you? She's going to take you on a radio getaway. Some of these places may not even be on your radar as romantic getaways. So then you'll have to decide if you're going to go ahead and make those reservations or you can pick up National Geographic's The World's Most Romantic Destinations. You can have your own couch vacation flipping through those pages. Annie Fitzsimmons will fill you in a little bit later on the show. 
Okay, before we come back with entertainment journalist Nancy O'Dell, though you had quite a financial scare this week. Is that right? <laughs> yes. So one night this week about 8 p.m., I started to receive all these email messages from Apple. And they were Apple receipts from in-app purchases. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. One was That's like never good. 53, and then one was 75, and then 52, and then 17. Okay, which kid was the culprit? <laughs> it was my daughter, Giselle, my seven-year-old, and it was a My Little Pony app. Oh, they got you there. I know, and she figured out my password because, you know, you live and you learn, but it's the same password that she uses for her computer schoolwork because okay. it's just a family password, one of the five or six we oh, have. time to get a new so, password. I know. So, you know, that's one of those things that you think, oh, that won't happen to me. Totally happened to me. Yeah, so, okay, what was the total? $230. Oh, boy. So, so what did you do? So a friend of mine told me that you can get them reversed. So then I clicked on a link if you have a problematic purchase, and then I set up to get a phone call, and then they did reverse the charges because okay. it was a minor had made the purchases, which is so awesome that they would reverse them. Yes, you know, that's happened to me, and they are very good about reversing the charges. Don't you appreciate oh. that? Oh, my. Greatly relieved that I could get it all fixed and taken care of. Before you got in worse trouble? Yeah, before I got in worse trouble. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, no in-app purchases today. You can just continue doing whatever you're doing and just listen at no charge. We'll be right back with entertainment journalist Nancy O'Dell right after this. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. celebrities on your radio station back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane well you know her as host of access hollywood and entertainment tonight entertainment reporter nancy odell has a new series on the reels network called nancy odell remembers now it airs mondays at 8 p.m central and it's going to give you a new perspective on some of the biggest celebrity stories of the last 20 years today you'll meet nancy odell She's got a lot to tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I wish I could get sung on to every single show. <laughs> oh, cool. It'd be great if somebody, when I came on the set of Entertainment Tonight, if somebody sang for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, great to have you with us. Good to talk to you. Okay, Thanks so, for having me on. Sure. Now, in the series, Nancy O'Dell Remembers, you get into some depth on some of the most memorable stories you've covered, and you've covered a lot. So did you have a hard time uh-huh. narrowing down the stories to include? We did. I mean, there are those uh, stories that you remember where you were and what you were doing when something happened. The huge tragedy or the passing of a celebrity you just didn't expect, you know, the passing of Robin Williams and Michael Jackson, Princess Diana, Joan Rivers. And talking about covering those things, you're probably going to learn a lot of things that you didn't know about how it all happened. The inside perspective of what it was like to cover those, you know, being in London. Now, do you right ever get passing of Diana. emotionally moved on camera? Oh, yeah. The, in fact, in the episode, you'll see, and this is kind of the behind-the-scenes thing, is I'm interviewing um, Melissa Rivers. And so you'll see the interview that I did with her shortly after passing of Joan. But what I'll be telling you is how difficult it was for me to go into that interview because I had lost my mom to ALS. Okay. And so having to sit here and talk to somebody who I had, you know, seen so many times at the red carpet considered a friend and talk to her about the passing of her mom. It's like, you're supposed to be a journalist and not get, like, emotionally right, affected, exactly. but yet yeah. you can't help it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so one of the things I talk about. So now in doing these stories, did you learn anything that you didn't know? You know, I did, absolutely, in doing the research, because when you're covering it in the moment, there are so many facts and figures that are 
coming out, you know, really quick and trying to discern what is rumor and what is true. That, you know, to actually hear it all put together in one cohesive story after the fact, um, there was a lot of things that was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, when we started doing our research and talking to different people. So now, do you enjoy the research part of your job? I do. I always have. I'm a big, you know, researcher. And so, like, when I go to do a red carpet, I read all about the people so I can find out the latest news information or, you know, a little tidbit. And that's where I think that a lot of the great stuff comes. Like, you may bring up something, just a little newsy item about them, and they'll give you something else. And as long as you're listening really well, you usually come away with some incredible news tidbit. Yeah. Now, has there been any question that you ever regret asking someone? (laughs) <laughs> Only when you call them by the wrong name, which doesn't happen often. <laughs> but it can't happen at the award ceremonies. I always say that that's a little scary because you have so many award ceremonies from January to March, right. and there's so many different people, and they've usually been nominated for several different awards. So right. you, know, you may be like, congratulations on your nomination. And they're like, um, uh, yeah, that was the Golden Globe I was nominated for, but I didn't get an Oscar nomination. And you're like, ah! That's so much to keep in your head. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Now, you're executive producer on this series, so do you want everything run by you, or do you kind of do your bit and leave it to the others? I do. I have two amazing parts that I've known for years and years and years. In fact, one of them was my very first producer over at Access Hollywood when I started back in 1996. So, I mean, they're great storytellers, and I've done so many different documentaries and things, and so they're really good at what they do, so I have a lot of trust and faith in them, but certainly been, you know, looking at the scripts and determining, you know, how we do it and what way we tell the story. And, you know, some of the stories, obviously, are only stories that I know from behind the scenes. So that's, you know, been my, course thing there. And then you said you were in London during the passing of Princess Diana, and you covered that on the show, right? Mm-hmm. I did it on Access Hollywood. I was on Access Hollywood at the time. Started in 96 in September, and, you know, shortly thereafter, I get a phone call from my executive producer saying, you know, you're going to be flying to London and covering this story. And wow. just what it was like, and I take a lot of photographs, and I, you know, write a lot of things in my diary, so a lot of it is firsthand accounts of actually covering it. And personal Aren't you glad photos. you wrote all that stuff down, though? I know, yeah. It's always fun to, you know, go back and look back. Not mm-hmm. fun to remember what actually happened, right, but right. to see how it all unfolded. Did you have a premonition at all that you might someday want to put a show together like this? I didn't. It's just I'm a huge documenter of things and just always have been. And so I've always taken photographs galore because I firmly believe, you know, that especially for kids and stuff, it's just really important to to document their childhood and Mm -hmm. the bonding and everything. I think it does incredible stuff for bonding. Mm -hmm. It's just fun to, you know, go back and look at memories, you know. It's just a blast. You're a huge scrapbooker also. I am. I am. So I take a lot of photographs. I share a lot of those personal photographs and cover some of these huge stories as well. Entertainment journalist Nancy O'Dell here on the Mulberry Lane Show telling you all about her brand new series, Nancy O'Dell Remembers. So now you went from covering the stories to being the story during the presidential election last fall when the Billy Bush Donald Trump tape was released. So now does this kind of thing throw you for a loop or is it just part of being in the entertainment industry? Um, you know, it's just part of being in the entertainment industry. I mean, that happened like years and years and years and years ago. So, um, people realize how long ago it was odd, but uh-huh. you know, if you're, uh, even if you're covering the news, you know, you're, you're public figure, so you know, it can't happen. Exactly. Yeah. And you seem to have a genuine empathy for the celebrities and all of that. So where does that come from for you? You know, I think just genuinely caring about people. I had, like, two amazing parents that, you know, were just really sweet, good people. And I think it just comes from genuinely caring and being interested in people. I always say some of the the, uh, best 
things that come out of the interviews are usually something that a celebrity says, and you're just listening to what they're saying, and uh, and you follow up on it. A lot of people forget that they're human beings, and I think just always remembering that. And having done it for so long, you know, a lot of people are so starstruck by the celebrities, but I think I've done it for so long, talked to them for so long, that, you know, they become friends, and right. I just remember they're always human beings, you know. Put on yeah. the band, like we all do. Now, do you come across some up-and-coming new celebrities that you feel are starstruck by you? Um, you know, I never feel that way. I'm from South Carolina. I never feel that way. <laughs> you know, so, I'm probably to them. I'm probably to some old lady. <laughs> so now before we let you go, what do you hope viewers take away from Nancy O'Dell Remembers? I just, I want them to hear the behind the scenes story of how, you know, it all went down and how it was to cover. And I think that we all, you know, feel something when these tragic stories happen. Sure. Because been a part of you remember, yeah, yeah, and you remember where you were and what you were doing when you heard the news, and it's because of that, because they were such a part of your life that, you know, maybe you remember Thriller coming out, and then you were in high school at the time, or college in the time, and, you know, like for me, like Robin Williams, it felt so sad when he passed away, one, because I just really loved interviewing him, and he just always made me happy. But two, because I used to watch Mork and Mindy growing up. And so it was a part of my, you know, felt like I was mourning a part of my childhood. And I think that's what happens when some of these tragic stories happen. Right. Well, we want to thank you, Nancy, for joining the show. Love hearing about the new series. And again, it's Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central on The Reels Network. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. Good to talk to you. That's entertainment journalist Nancy O'Dell here on the Mulberry Lane Show. When we come back, you're going to hear from up-and-coming singer-songwriter Morgan James. Now, this girl has an incredible voice, and you're going to hear all about her musical and vocal journey from classical music to soul. Keep it right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Morgan James is a singer-songwriter, Broadway actress, and her latest album, Reckless Abandon. You're going to want to download ASAP. Now, you're going to dig the soulful, jazzy vibe and that voice. Then get yourself tickets to her Omaha performance at the Slowdown April 23rd. But right now, meet Morgan James and get the scoop. Morgan James on the show, Reckless Abandon, Full of Soul. Hi there, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great to have you with us. Okay, so now first we have to talk about that voice. So is this the voice you were born with or did it take you a while to develop your voice? Well, I suppose it it was a voice I didn't know I had for a long time. You know, I studied classically, so initially I just wanted to train to be an opera singer, you know, and be on Broadway and... I idolized people like Audra McDonald and Barbara Cook, and I didn't know that I had this soulful voice, this other voice, until years later when I was, you know, unemployed in New York City and started singing in bars, and lo and behold, with sadness comes the blues, and then you find your real voice. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you had to have a good vocal teacher to help you, you know, develop the more soulful side along with the classical training as well. So talk about, you know, who you worked with and how that developed. Yeah, you know, after Juilliard, I got, a, of course, a classical training at Juilliard, and I studied with Cynthia Hoffman, and I was, you know, a classically trained soprano. And after school, I really wanted a break from teachers, and I actually learned how to belt uh, by watching videos of Pavarotti. Okay. So would you sing along with the videos? Or would yeah, you? I would just like, he's the best belter ever, so I, <laughs> I watched him, and, 
And then I decided it was time to get a teacher because I was hitting some walls and I found Derek Rosenblatt, whom I still study with today. So now when you were learning on your own in that period, were you singing from the right spot or did you kind of have to tweak that when you got back with the vocal teacher? You know, I've always been technique-wise pretty, you know, straight-laced. There are growing pains with kind of stretching your work because it's a living instrument. So sometimes you hit walls and you have to get around them. And so much of it is in your mind because some of the things that we ask our voice to do, it's really more of bending your mind than it is really the instrument. The instrument can do it, but your mind is scared. Right. Yes. That is so true. Mm-hmm. So now, did you ever feel like your classical training held you back in like taking risks with your voice at all? I think initially it did because uh-huh. classical training kind of teaches that you shouldn't use your chest voice. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I feel like the classical training really helps me, but I think for a while in my 20s, I was scared. I was like, oh, I'm going to ruin my voice if I use my chest voice, but that's just not true at all. Now, your voice has a lot of nuances, so recording your voice, did it take you a while to figure out the skill of working the mic and how to record your voice in the studio? Yeah, recording my voice has been really, really difficult because I come from the theater tradition, like, and my voice is really, really quiet and then really, really big the next minute, and Uh I don't really have a a studio voice. I don't have a a voice really for recording. I really have a live voice, so we've had trouble finding the right mics. We've tried so many different mics, and we tried different mics for background vocals and different mics for lead vocals, and I think the problem that every engineer comes in contact with is that I distort very easily because right. to get the nuance of the quiet, you know, breathy things and the high, high things, yes. the same mic can't really take my loud stuff. Do so it's been like a challenge. Sing in the back of the studio with the mic, like two or three feet away, like belting. Well, we tried that a couple times, but then okay. you, you lose the you lose the, the roundness yeah. of the of the loud stuff. That's true. You know, the loud stuff still needs to be round and present. So it's it's been difficult. I think that on my first album, Hunter, we did everything on the same mic, which was kind of a probably a rookie mistake. But interesting going into different studios and seeing what other people go. Okay, I think I found it. I think I found the magic, you know, <laughs> solution. Right, this will work. You're listening to singer songwriter Morgan James here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now Reckless Abandon is your first independent release. So has that yes. been freeing in a way or terrifying? Well, at the beginning, I was really nervous and I was scared. And now it's totally freeing. I love it. I didn't have to ask permission for anything. And, of course, there were things that the label took care of that I quickly learned were more difficult than I anticipated. But all in all, I love it because I can get my music directly to my fans. And I'm really proud of what we made. Mm -hmm. So now, did you work with different mics in recording this? And did you try different versions of songs and all of that? Talk a little bit about the process of getting it to completion. Yes, I did. Uh, 90% of my vocals we did at Brooklyn Recording, where we recorded the band, and Andy Taub, the engineer there, borrowed this incredible mic, the prototype for the Sony mic that Celine Dion uses, and he thought that because we both have pretty big dynamic voices that it would be a good fit, and it definitely was. Oh, awesome. Capturing the louds and the softs accurately. Yes. Now, you co-wrote a lot of the songs on this album, so your process of writing, do you keep your voice in mind and the flexibility of it in your writing process or does that enter into it at all? Yeah, I co-wrote all the songs on this album and of course probably 30 more didn't make it uh, over the course of the year. I don't worry about whether the song is dynamic enough for my voice on the outset. I just try to write a good song and then I kind of work on an arrangement and how I can make it more dynamic and how I can make it 
suit what I want to do live, you know? Yeah. Now, you've done music and videos with Scott Bradley, the postmodern jukebox, but for someone who might not be familiar with that phenomenon, explain the group and, and your part in it. Well, Scott and I uh, have the same agent, and our agent and manager said, oh, you guys should, you know, get together. And at the time, I had never heard of them, but basically he has a collective of musicians that get together and do videos every single week where they take a modern pop song and put it into a throwback style for all different styles. So we got together. I actually ended up doing 10 videos with them, okay. all told, okay. and I did um, three different tours with them. It was a lot of fun, and it definitely helped grow my fan base. Okay. Yeah. Now, what can people expect from the live show, the show at the Slowdown on the 23rd? Well, what I love about our live show is that the record takes on a whole new life because, you know, I'm not traveling with horns. I'm not traveling with 12 more Morgans to do my background vocals. And it has to have its own life. And I'm traveling with my amazing band, piano, bass, drum, and guitar, okay. and my amazing opening act, Andy Allo. And she sings backgrounds for me a couple songs. And we sing full out. We tell stories and do a few of our new favorite covers as well. Okay. Okay, cool. Regarding social media... Is that something that you dig, or is that something on the checklist that you have to get done? At the beginning, it was something I just had to do that everybody was telling me I needed to do. And now, it's just a part of my everyday. Um, I'm a total social media whore, and I, I love it. And, and so now, nobody has to tell me to do it. I love engaging with people. And, and I also see the power that the fans have if you let them be a part of your world. Okay, yes. Do you have a specific story about that at all? I think my latest record is a testament to what magic can happen if you really put the power in the fans' hands and the fact that, you know, I've got this tour going and I'm going to these cities that I've never been to before and, and all these people show up. And without a big, you know, without marketing a big machine, without a label. And all yeah. that other stuff, yeah. I tell them every night, I say, if nobody shows up, who am I going to sing for? You know, it's like, you're the reason that I get to sing every night. Uh -huh. Right. Okay, that's awesome. So now what's next for you? Well, we have festival dates throughout the summer okay. and we'll probably end up touring this record throughout the the rest of the year and I'm also hoping to produce this all-female Jesus Christ Superstar that I produced so we're working on that as well. Wow, you're, you're taking on a lot with that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exciting. All right, well when that comes together you'll have to come back on the show and let us know how it's going. Absolutely. Okay, well Morgan, fun to talk with you. And oh, with so fun people. to talk with you. Thank you guys so much. I hope to see you at the show. That singer-songwriter Morgan James. Check her out this weekend, the 23rd, at The Slowdown in Omaha. Up next, you're going country. Stay tuned for country singer Josh Dore. And stay right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. You said that no one like me had ever come your way. And I couldn't wait every time just to get close to you again. Where the lingers in every space mm, The thought of you was there in every single thought that I spent Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
The song Rocket will transport you to a place where it's summer all the time. The artist behind the song, Josh Dore, is here to share his musical journey from shy football player to up-and-coming Nashville singer-songwriter. Kicking it country, Josh Dore. Want to hear a little bit, you'll want more. Wow, thanks for having me. I've never been sang onto a show before. Oh, glad so we could be the first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the only ever. Good to have you with it. us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, it's a long journey from high school football player to singer-songwriter in Nashville. So give us the Reader's Digest version of your journey. Oh, my gosh. So I, I played football in high school and a little bit in college and South Dakota and Nebraska and got injured a bunch of times and realized I couldn't play football anymore and randomly met a bar band singer in Wyoming and he had some connections in Nashville. He wanted to help me out because I didn't know what I was doing and he ended up helping me get an internship at Show Dog Records in Nashville. I bet you learned a lot about kind of the behind the scenes working of the music industry. Yeah, I was kind of on the business side and I had a guitar but I didn't really play at the time. But I was starting to get into it, you know, after I got injured a bunch of times. You Did you have any stuff to do. <laughs> musical background before that at all? No. No, nothing. I always loved music, but okay. I didn't really understand it, and I didn't take music classes. But I did used to write poetry okay. and uh, short stories. And so when I moved to Nashville and kind of was doing some internship, someone told me, like, hey, you know, if you just change the poetry that you've been writing into guitar chords and a melody you have a song okay and that kind of like blew my mind at first and so i tried it and i started writing and then uh, nashville is a lot about co-writing right. with your friends and uh, as soon as i started co-writing i just fell in love with it and i knew that was what i wanted to do for the rest of my life and a few years later i got signed to a publishing deal at Olay, and i've been there for two and a half years now that's pretty incredible, and, uh, without having yeah. any musical background to end up with a publishing deal. Yeah, so I, I got a publishing deal, and then I got a record deal, honestly, in the same week, which is pretty crazy, wow. um, yeah. to Sony RCA, and now we're kind of on to a different phase of my life, and I'm with an indie label called Red Dot Records. Which we were talking before the interview, that there's positives and negatives to both the major label and oh, the Oh, yeah. yeah. The main thing is they're really excited about my music and about me, so anyone that you can get to be in your corner is a good thing in sure. Nashville, for sure. Now, what I find interesting about you is you used to be afraid to get up in front of people. But yet, oh my you moved to Nashville and pursuing this career where your bread and butter is getting up in front of people. So how did you ever think that that would work for you? Oh, I never did, really. I just I used to be sick to my stomach in like communications class going up and doing a speech in front of the class or something. I just hated it. Get so nervous. And I don't know. One day, uh, a friend of mine heard me play in college in my dorm room, and he runs a talent show. And he called me and asked if I would come play a song. And I fought him for probably like a good week. And then uh, I went up and played, and they clapped and probably had a sympathy for me. And uh, <laughs> and it was enough for me to get that adrenaline rush that I was kind of trying to fill the void with from having to leave football. Uh. Yeah, um, right. And I found it in performing. and But now I, I love being on stage. There's still a lot of nights where sometimes I'm like, whew, this is a lot of people out there. Yeah. <laughs> or, so when you have those moments, what do you tell yourself? What kind of self-talk happens? I just try to take a few deep breaths, you know, realize that I'm here for a reason and tell myself to just 
have as much fun as I can and try to get the crowd into it and try to win people over one fan at a time, really. That's all I can do. Nashville singer-songwriter Josh Dore here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, you were recently named by Rolling Stone as one of the 10 country artists you need to know. So that had to be a really satisfying uh, list to be on. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was freaking out. Having your name anywhere in the magazine Rolling Stone is just kind of a trip, really. Yeah, that will go down as one of my favorite moments probably in my music career up to date anyway for yeah. sure yeah. yeah so now you sing a lot of sexy songs so <laughs> so what attracts you to that honestly that was all the stuff that i used to listen to as a kid i mean i grew up on a lot of 90s country okay. and i've always been really big into ballads but then my dad also listened to a lot of pop and r&b so we had you know a lot of michael jackson boys to men and okay. that kind of stuff sure. and I, I always just love the r&b melodies and harmonies for whatever reason a lot of those songs were sexy songs and i just always loved them and i'm kind of a, a closet romantic okay. i guess i like singing those kind of songs <laughs> but that's fun in the live show too you know, there's a lot of girls out there, and they seem to appreciate it. I'm sure they do. <laughs> and then the single Rocket, what inspired that song? I used to drive this really, like, girly Chevy Cavalier okay. in high school. And the girl that I was, like, in love with for my entire life also drove the same color and make of the same car as me. Okay. And I was just joking around with my co-writers, like, yeah, man, back in that day, I swear if I could have turned my car into like a rocket ship or like a go-go gadget mobile and just like made it a little bit cooler so maybe i had a chance Uh (laughs) blair my co-writer just started playing the guitar lick and i just started ad-libbing some words and then we got to the part where the hook was and blair was like dude like a rocket man it's kind of what you were talking about and that's kind of weird but i kind of like weird so let's roll with it (laughs) and so that, that was kind of my daydream date with this girl that I'm in love with, you know, when I was a kid. Okay. And taking her, you know, outdoors and going on this, like, little love adventure, uh-huh. you could call it. <laughs> that's uh-huh. just kind of how it was, I guess. I love the the teamwork of the co-write, too, how that all came yeah, together. Yeah. 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 Okay, and before we let you go, the James Taylor song, Fire and Rain, had a significant impact on your decision to stay in Nashville and stay in music. So tell that story. Oh, go my gosh. So I had a fire in my apartment that I was living in. It was a grease fire, and I owned everything in the apartment. It ruined everything, and the sprinkler system came on and flooded for four hours. They couldn't turn the sprinklers off. My laptop was in there, and I was real nervous that it's lost all my lyrics and stuff that I'd saved on there. And And you probably um, didn't have it backed up. Nope. (laughs) And uh, so I I went in, and I turned it on, and when, when you turn it on from the last place it shut off, it reboots to the exact place that whatever made it shut off. Okay. It, it reboots that exact window that was open. And so I took to the Mac store because obviously it just got rained on by sprinklers for four hours. Oh. <laughs> and so I'm like, this thing's toast. And well, let's just try and turn it on. So we turned it on and the girl at the Mac store is like, oh my gosh, look at what was playing when the water must have hit the computer and it just self shut off to, to protect itself. Uh-huh. And she turned the computer screen, and it was on my iTunes, and I have like five, 6,000 songs on iTunes, and she turns it, and it was like midway through James Taylor's Fire and Rain. That is the best story. I took it as a sign and kept going, and about 
year and a half later, I got uh, my publishing deal and my record deal. So okay. <laughs> you have a new album. So talk yeah, about that yep. briefly. The new album. I'm working with a producer named Marshall Altman. He he works with Frankie Ballard and Eric Pasley and okay. Will Hogue and kind of a different sound. And we'll hopefully have it done sometime in the next couple months. So you'll have to come back when that's ready to go. We'll talk about the new music then. Absolutely. Josh, take care. Yeah. All righty. Sounds good. Thanks Thank you. Me. Nashville singer-songwriter Josh Dord. Well, you ready for a romantic getaway? Stay right where you are. When we come back, Annie Fitzsimmons from National Geographic Romantic Getaways with some hot ideas for your next vacation. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Laying on her backs in the tall grass Staring at the midnight all black Trying to count the holes in the atmosphere Underneath your sapphire necklace I can hear your heartbeat restless We could take off right now and disappear There's a wild desire In your eyes let your hair down Gonna pick you up Get you out of this town Singing Music, arts, and lifestyle Back to the Mulberry Lane Show Now, here's Mulberry Lane Are you looking for that romantic escape? Well, National Geographic presents the world's most romantic destinations, 50 dreamy getaways, private retreats, and enchanting places to celebrate love. And today, you're going to meet travel editor, writer, and contributor to National Geographic Traveler, Annie Fitzsimmons. Annie wrote the foreword to this gorgeous book, and she's going to give you some great ideas to plan your next romantic escape. Welcome, welcome to the show. Annie Fitzsimmons. Thank you so much. What an intro. I love it. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the show today. So now you've had lots of experience traveling. So let's go through season. So the spring season, what is a great getaway place? You know, we have Paris in there, of course, and London. We divided the book by seasons, which I think is really important because certain destinations like New York, for example, where I live yes. in the fall, it's amazing to take a leafy stroll through Central Park. So for spring, there's places like Kyoto in Japan where the cherry blossoms are blooming, a really exotic, special place. But if you want to stay closer to home or stick to Europe, Paris, I think, in the spring is the ultimate destination. Just you know, the like the song, I, I love Paris exactly. in the springtime. <laughs> exactly. The first time I went to Paris, it was in the summer and I didn't like it. It was hot and it was crowded and it was gross. But in the spring, it's so wonderful, right? So it really does matter when you go. When you go. Um, and prices are lower too. So. Okay. And then <laughs> summer cool. destinations? Sure. One of my favorite places to go in the summer is, again, an exotic place. It's Victoria Falls in Africa. Okay. You know, when you're taking a romantic trip with someone, if you want to tap into that sense of adventure and discovery and renew that spark. These roaring falls are jaw-dropping, like nothing you've ever seen before in your life. And then you can go get massages on the river and listen to the thunder of the falls. So oh, I think the summer so is good. a great place to do that. <laughs> yes. And the nice thing about this book is it covers you know, more exotic destinations, not just your standard yes. everyday place that you might go. Exactly. 
exactly. We talk about, you know, the Yunnan province in China, which is the wild west of China, the foothills of the Himalayas. You can drink yak butter tea, which I found revolting, but it's okay. hyper-local. It feels like you're drinking a full <laughs> cup of hot butter. So we have wow. that, right? But then we have New York or Quebec City. Okay, and then yeah. fall, as we're continuing through the seasons. Yeah, so, you know, New York, of course, is my favorite place in the fall. As much as I travel, I always come home, and I just sort of get that giddy feeling, butterflies in my stomach. Okay, and then winter. Yeah, you know, I am actually dating a Swiss guy, so I'm okay. talking a lot about Switzerland, and I was just there for Christmas, and, you know, the air is so different there. It's crisp, and it's healing, and you feel like anything is possible when you're in Switzerland, and my favorite thing to do is go hiking from hut to hut, these amazing hikes where you stop for Swiss wine and fondue or barley soup. Um, you could do it in the winter or the summer, and it's a really special experience to share with someone. Okay. Also, if you want to go somewhere warm, the Caribbean is always the place to go, and I think St. Bart's is the sexiest island in the world. Okay, so good to know. Be my Sounds good. Now, yeah. as far as yeah. traveling, you know, you have spent your life basically traveling. What are yeah. some good tips that we can incorporate, either in packing or safety or things like that, that you have learned? Sure. I mean, always pack less, of course. I think always pack food. I never go anywhere without food. Okay, um, what kind of food? I like packing peanut butter, actually, okay. because I think you can eat it from your finger or you can put it on a cracker. It's actually hard to find in most places around the world. So you pack America, a jar of so. peanut butter? Yeah, or those little packets, you know, Justin packets. (laughs) Um, I also think that when you get to a destination, there's a few things I always do. I always find, like, a botanical garden. I find the highest view in town to sort of get that perspective from above, and I always find a local grocery store. So those are things that I feel really connect me to a place. I think it's also important to find, like, a coffee shop that you love and always return there, you know, go back twice, three times, because you really get that rhythm of local life if you go back. Okay, great tips. And then you personally. You seem to have this amazing traveling life. So how did you land in your position? I like to say that I harassed people until they gave it to me. But um, (laughs) really, I was a tour guide in Europe. And then I I would always take notes at night. And I ended up having a meeting with the editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure. And she gave me a shot. And it sort of led into this gig with National Geographic. I was their first urban insider. So I traveled the world covering cities and hotels and culture. And then, you know, it's led into this new role as an editor-at-large. And I also work at a company called Virtuoso, two different magazines. So I think if you want to work in travel and you want to be a writer, there's that. But there's also so many different avenues. You know, you could work in PR, you could work in marketing. And it also gives you that chance to travel if you don't want to write. So there's all these different areas that you can work in. Um, I always say don't take no for an answer and, you know, never think it's out of your league. And important people, quote unquote, aren't as busy as you think they are. I think you can create your dream job, you know, I think more than any other time. There's a chance that you can do that. It it, it might take hard work. It might take working at jobs you don't want to work at, like I did for a while. But Uh you can create the job you want. And it sounds like you did exactly that. Yeah. For now, right? You know, it always changes. (laughs) Right. Now, The World's Most Romantic Destinations, the book, where can people pick that up? So I, of course, always recommend your local bookstore to keep them in business. It's also available on nationalgeographic.com and anywhere books are sold. It's a great book, even if you can't go anywhere, but you just want to dream about it. It's almost an escape in itself. Exactly. That little couch vacation. Exactly. All right. Well, Andy, we want to thank you so much for joining the show. It's a pleasure talking to you and hearing about these dream vacations. Thank you so much. Travel editor, writer, and contributor to National Geographic Traveler, Annie Fitzsimmons. Annie, thanks for sharing with us some pretty cool destinations we probably would have no idea about. I think I'll be dreaming about those because right now all my passport says is... 
couch. <laughs> Poor Rachel. Allie, who else do we need to thank? Well, a big shout out to Nancy O'Dell. Thanks, Nancy, for bringing your warmth, honesty, and stories to the show today. And remember to check out Nancy O'Dell Remembers. Monday night, 8 p.m. Central on The Reels Network. Who else do we need to thank, sisters? How about a big radio hug to singer Morgan James? Morgan, thanks for bringing your unique voice and all the advice for vocalists and singers. So much insight today. Okay, Allie, who else? Well, Rachel, we can't forget up-and-coming country music singer, songwriter Josh Dorr. Josh, thanks for hanging out with us today, and we loved your story about how James Taylor's song, Fire and Rain, served as a sign to you to keep going in your career after your place had a fire. So we're a big believer in science here. Cool stuff. Well, guess what? We've come to the end of this week's show, so we're already looking forward to next week. Well, that wraps up the show for another week. That's right, though, and remember to join us same time, same place, next weekend. You be there, we'll be here. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Yeah.